What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Main Stand Podcast, episode 27. I am back. My wisdom teeth have been ripped from my face. We've got Josh, we've got Pat, and we've got another fantastic episode of the Main Stand ahead of us. So let's kick in, uh, kick right into it. Uh, Josh, how'd, uh, how'd Rick's picks go last week? So I don't actually, I don't remember what the fourth pick was for the Bayern Salzburg game I made in show. It might have been an over, like over 3.5 or something, because I don't think I bet on Bayern. Uh, but I, I updated that pick, and the, the graphic we put out on Instagram had Salzburg plus one and a half. So uh, just from what I saw with uh, Neuer's out, for those of you who didn't know, yep. and they're missing Davies as well. Uh, the backup goalkeeper for Bayern just sucks. I mean, they lost to Bochum at the weekend. Their expected goals allowed in that game was like 1.6. They allowed four goals. The goalie just isn't up to snuff, and they've lost like two out of their last five Bundesliga games. So I kind of I favored Salzburg in that match. Salzburg's defense had, had done pretty well in a hard group with Wolfsburg, um, Sevilla, and I'm not sure who the, the fourth team was. I'm missing one. Um but they had done pretty well, so I I took the um, Salzburg uh, spread on that, and with those updated picks, went three for four. So good first week of Champions League betting. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm I'm sad I wasn't here to 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 talk shit last week. You know, yeah, take my own up picks. With the boys, right chop it up the with the boys. League. I missed it. I missed it. Yeah. No, I had. Um, I had my surgery last Wednesday. I can't remember if you guys recorded that day or if, if you guys recorded Thursday, but I, like today has been the first day where I haven't had like a lot of pain in my in my face. I still got a nice bruise on on both sides. I don't know if anybody will be able to see that, but I'm still on a liquid diet, so I uh, I haven't been having much fun. But uh, the the football schedule. Uh, I have been able to watch a lot of soccer because I'm just kind of chilling, you know. So it's nice. But um, let's dive into it. We we have uh, we have some review, some preview. Um, got a lot of good stuff to talk about for the upcoming week. Um, we'll start with some Concacaf Champions League MLS updates with the MLS season right around the corner. We're just a couple weeks out, like two and a half weeks out from the season starting at this point. Um, so I'm really really excited about that. Uh, but the uh, CONCACAF Champions League is kicked off this week. Mitch, and, for, those, uh, for those of us who don't know, yeah. can you yep. give a little bit of a breakdown of like how many teams from America are playing in this or the MLS? Yeah. So right now, I believe it's just the New England Revolution, uh, New York City FC, Montreal, uh, Seattle Sounders, and the Colorado Rapids. I, I believe those are the five teams in it from the MLS. And it's just like the champions league it's some of the best clubs from the best leagues in north central and south america um going through a group stage and then knockouts um and uh so the the revolution obviously with the season they are coming off of uh solidified their place same with new york city um did montreal and, uh, get there through the the canadian championship i think they I, played toronto yes. Yep. Yes. So there's there's some weird paths into this tournament, uh, for sure, because it's not as prevalent as or easy as breaking it up like the Champions League. Um, but we uh, we were supposed to have the Revs play a couple days ago 
their first leg matchup against Cavalia AS was uh, supposed to be on the 15th. There were some visa issues, so they pushed the game back to uh, – we're, we're recording Thursday. It's supposed to be tomorrow, Friday, um, the day the, the pod will hit. And um, unfortunately, the, um, the U.S. consulate denied the visa request for the, the club three separate times. Um, there's been a ton of people to trying to step in to, to get these players and, and team staff their visas to come to the States to play these games. And honestly, I'm just, I'm, I'm heartbroken for Cavalli uh, to be at uh, their, their Haitian club. They, um, they were top of the Caribbean. They won a, another tournament. I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Um, they worked their asses off. Um, as a developmental club to get to this point and they deserve to be playing games and they are the only team that was denied visas they are the only club that was forced to forfeit their um their place in the tournament and obviously the revs benefit off that they have a, a free walk into the quarters of the tournament um and it's just it's just frustrating um, as a as a as a Concacaf you know whole like having a team like this um, not able to play uh, in the biggest tournament of the Concacaf and then now I'm hearing that they are going to be under investigation or review for their Concacaf um, like rights or their ability to play in the Concacaf so it's. It's a really weird situation, really frustrating for the game of soccer in the Americas. Um, and it sucks for, for the revolution because on the fly, they have to, um, you know, find a way to get fit and, and play games, get reps um, just a couple of weeks before their uh, regular season starts. So um, my heart goes out to Cavalli AS. They work their asses off to get here. And, and unfortunately, um, we're denied the ability to play. Um New York City FC, they kicked off their first leg um, with a win 2-0 over Santos de Guapie. Um, that game was held in Costa Rica. Castellanos staying hot, um, netted two goals. Um, kind of New York City FC doing what New York City FC has been doing, unfortunately. We don't want to see more of that next year. Um, did Montreal. He score, did he score a goal in the final this year? Castellanos. Uh, uh, Castellanos, I don't believe he did. No, I can't remember. I don't think so. The game, the game's a little bit fuzzy. It's, yeah, it was a while enough. ago. Um, Montreal, they lost their first leg game uh, to Santos Laguna uh, in the 88th minute. Uh, Montreal got the shit kicked out of them. Uh, Should have been like a five nil game, but uh, Breza was on fire and net for for Montreal. Um, Laguna had 26 shots with eight on target to Montreal's seven shots, uh, two on target all game. So Montreal not looking the best in the first leg. Uh, and then tonight, the Sounders and Rapids will kick off their first leg matches. So we'll see how those goes. Uh, uh, I'll probably be tuning, tuning into both of them. I think they're at like seven and nine or 5.30 and nine, whatever. Um, but I'm excited. It's, uh, it's football in America. We have teams that the MLS – have sent to the competition to to show what the MLS has to offer in in the Americas, and hopefully the Revs are are able to find their form and 
play play some games eventually in the tournament. That was Mitch Ketchin, our official CONCACAF Champions League liaison. Absolutely. Anytime. Back to you in the studio, boys. Uh, Castellanos the... did score. Sorry, Castellanos did score in them uh, in the final. He he was the the NYCFC goal yep. scorer. No, thank you for the fact check, Pat. Yes, uh, I got you, Doug. While while we're on the subject of MLS, so Mitch, you said who they're playing on home opener. Is that your first game as well on the fifth? No, so they're they're at Portland to start, and then it's okay. uh, against Dallas on the fifth. So so with the MLS season starting um we have uh we're gonna have some some live uh videos coming up um march 5th i i plan on going to the uh the revs home opener uh and then josh you're uh you're gonna be going to the minnesota home opener as well that's correct we uh, we actually start out with i believe next weekend against philly which just like portland is a tough game uh especially with like a healthy philly side because we know they were kind of down bad at the end of the season um Mm -hmm. that's a tough one for minnesota to open up with just because i don't know i'm not really going into the season too optimistic we made a couple signings here at the end of the window we got the that old striker we used to have back i wasn't a fan when we had him arila or something like along that line um yeah i don't know adrian heath is still our coach so again not that optimistic going into the season but should be a good one. Like Mitch said, we have a bunch of content coming out. Uh, I'll be yeah, in the underwall on the fifth, so. And I will be in the fort. Uh, the the cheap seats are the best place to sit at Gillette. Honestly, like yep. you pay thirty bucks, you get to sit as close or as far back as you want. It's general admission seating in the supporter section. So if you get there early, you're two rows back off the corner flag or right behind the net. Um, it's a, it's electric. Is if it, you're in the fort, seated, it's Mitch? electric. It is. Okay. Yep. It's so, seated, but it's general admission seating. So whoever nice. it's first, first come first serve, um, there. Uh, but the, the revolution have actually made a couple of moves. Um, we, we mentioned Tejan Buchanan leaving already. So that's a big, big hole. Um, but, uh, the revs actually just finalized some, uh, veteran backup uh, in a, in the forward um, spot. They officially announced Josie Altador. Um, obviously not filling the role that Tejan was on the right side of the pitch, but I think having a veteran presence come into the locker room who had a lot of success under Bruce um, is going to not only push our younger uh, goal scorers, Buxa, I think, is going to have a field day learning from Josie Altador. He's 25, and he's already becoming one of our, our top uh, offensive producing uh, forwards. But I think Josie Altador, you know, like he's he, – we had this conversation with our friends, Pat, um, with, with Cam. Like he's a, he's a veteran on the back end of his career. And he's kind of that Jossie Zardes type player where it's like, you know, he can produce, but when it's you just see will him, he, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't hate the Altador signing. If it's not, I don't want him to be our, like the main guy. I'm like, no. he's a proven goal scorer. And I think he'll work well with Bruce Arena. And I think that's really all that there is to it. He, he knows what Bruce Arena wants and he knows where the back of the net is. Um, 
I think writing him off as just like an immediate flop and a bad signing is kind of crazy. Like yeah. you look at that 2017 Toronto FC team and it was Giovinco with 16 goals, him with 15 goals, and he won MLS Cup final MVP. Um, so he's a good player. He's a proven goal scorer. He's played it on the biggest stage for the men's national team. Being and he could be the, the key World to, Cup. yeah, and, and with the success that the Revolution have found, obviously there needs to be somebody to step into that that Tejan role because he was he was one of our, our best players last year. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, you look back to the back half of the Revolution season too, what was like the biggest thing that at least we saw with when the games that they were like, obviously their midfield was a lot better than a lot of these teams they yeah. were playing and they were decent at the back, but like, what was their biggest problem? It's just like, they didn't have a guy that would just put the ball on the back of the fucking net at the end of the day. And, you know, you look at that, that game against Miami that we went and watched, what was the most glaring issue that we saw at the back no, after the season? Yeah. It was, no one was there to just put the ball in the net. And I think if we have a guy like Josie Altador that can, that can come off the bench and just be like, fuck it. I'm, you know, Carlos Gill can be like, fuck it, Josie's in there somewhere and Swing just whip in. a ball into the box. Yep. Like, Altador has that scoring instinct to just put the ball in the back of the net. And, and he's I, played I do at think the, that... the top levels, too. Like, right, yeah. I think I, having I mean... somebody who's been there is is going to help push a team like the Revolution, who are fairly young and have found that success over the line to get to that MLS title that, that we have been searching for for years and you know years. who would be an exciting First. signing for you guys who's currently playing in the a league not getting too many minutes a one daniel Ooh. sturridge danny sturridge is in the a league right now yeah he's playing for perth god damn it <laughs> i don't know how Come he's home because we'll, i looked up his we'll stats give him minutes I, I looked at his stats and i don't think he'd got a cap yet i don't know if he's injured maybe he's injured or something but yeah, uh, the, Daniel Sturridge injured. That doesn't sound like him at all. <laughs> it's very on brand. Uh, the guy I was trying to think of also was a uh, Curvin Ariaga, who's actually I think one of the starting midfielders for the Honduras national team. So he's going to be playing mm-hmm. in Minnesota this year. Uh, oh, nice. Do you guys have any hot takes um, for the MLS season? Like something to look out for? Uh, I think the Revs are not going to be very good. Really? Personally, I'm not super optimistic about the season. Uh, Losing Turner is a big one. I think not replacing Buchanan is going to come back to bite us in the ass. That's and two huge pieces, yeah. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. I think they'll be all right, but I, I don't see us winning the East again. I think last year was, like, the best chance we had at really, like, making a historic season. I think they'll be good. I think, like, maybe three or four seed in the MLS in the East, but I don't I don't see them having anywhere close to the season that they had last year. Um I think my teams to watch are like obviously New York. Uh, I think Nashville are going to be another team to watch too. They were pretty good last year. I, th- I think they'll be back to be good again. And then Real Salt Lake surprised a lot of people in the playoffs last year. And I, Colorado looked good to me too this year. Toronto, L- Lorenzo, baby. Yeah. Well, duh. Yeah. I kind of just like forgot he existed for a second <laughs> there. But yeah, obviously Toronto are absolutely a team to watch next year too with Insigne yeah. in the side. It's going to be fun. Like, there's going to be a handful of teams with, like, players to go watch every time out. Like, Douglas Costa yep. playing for L.A., Shaq playing Yeah, for holy Chicago. shit. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I guess those are two other teams to watch, there's too. And then you've got – um, coming. I'm actually you – know, so if... my hot take or, like, uh, kind of thing to look for uh, this season, I, this is going to sound like a homer take, but 
I think Emmanuel Reynoso is going to like solidify himself as one of the MLS's like best players. That's not from from Europe. He's he grew on me so much last year. He's legitimately like one of the more talented players in the league, and that's just coming from a straight eye test. Uh, so definitely watch out for him. We do support the eye test on this podcast, yes. and I'm uh, I'm gonna go Homer take all the way. I I'm gonna disagree with Pat. I think Bruce wouldn't just let players like this go um, without having a plan up his sleeve. Um, and I, I think I think the revolution will surprise people um, and and have have us have some success this year. Um, maybe not as much as setting a points record or or winning a ton of games, but I think they will be better than we think they will be based off of the players leaving. And Matt, yeah, Matt Turner going to Arsenal was a fi- made official this week too. Yeah, so That's I don't another know. Another thing, so I think we'll be all right. Enough um, of this American fucking soccer talk. Let's all yeah, talk some yeah. football, boys. Some champions. Yeah, let's League. talk about what the let's talk about the good shit. Um, <laughs> the good, the, yeah, good shit. Uh, I was wrong about Real Madrid. Sort I was of. as well. Mbappe bailed them out. Well, Mbappe bailed out PSG. Messi missed yes. a penalty. Um, for okay, so I guess the first thing we can talk about. Did you see what France football gave Messi lay equipped? Did you see what they gave him after that game? No. A three. They gave Messi a three. A three, a three out of ten. I think that's harsh. Well, when Messi doesn't do the one thing that he's expected to do, I mean, what are you going to take away from that game? I mean, he created more chances than the entire Real Madrid team. <laughs> I'm just I think a best. three is harsh. A three is yeah, harsh, harsh. On, the, is harsh on the guy. I get it. But that, that's tough, man. So my, my whole takeaway from this one, Mbappe did bail PSG out. Great individual finish, and it just kind of goes to show yeah. how really good Mbappe is. I don't think there's any hype around him. I think he is just gen, like literally a, a generational talent. The thing I'm worried about here, and I think this game was the perfect example, when you have two really, really close sides, uh, two top sides in Europe, without this away goal rule in effect, Real Madrid ultimately went into that game especially in the second half and just wanted to completely park the bus because there was no ambition to go out and get an away goal. I think they thought if they could go leave the park to Prince, uh, you know, on a zero zero score line, they would be favored at the Bernabeu uh, in a couple weeks. So I think it kind of, you, you take away that incentive to go out and be attacking when you're playing away from home, especially in the first leg. Uh, and I think Real Madrid showed that like epically, uh, in this game, and I'm I'm kind of wondering if you guys think that that might be a problem here in, in the next couple of years with this new rule. No, I've always thought away goals was the stupidest fucking thing. It sucks ever. to go out on, but do, do you see how like that changed? Like in literally the first game under this new rule, like it just seemed like Real Madrid weren't going after a game they should have, you know, been. Very City went and City went and won five nil away from home. Liverpool went and dominated Inter Milan one two nil away from home. I just think it's a it's a Real Madrid thing specifically. Okay, I've I wouldn't necessarily say. Goals. I I wouldn't necessarily say dominated. We'll so whatever, they were way more clinical. We'll get into they that. Their two goals, Inter but did it at the end I, of the day. What exactly I will, my point. What what point I'll make is like, if we we as Liverpool fans, Josh, look back at the Barcelona games, like should Barcelona score one goal, two goals at Anfield? kills again. corner taken corner taken quickly is gone so like god away, i wish they did god the, i wish they did the away goal 
thing is fucking dumb, but I think in time it will it will it will create that level of competition where every goal matters. And that's how it always should be. I I don't necessarily think Real is a team that can go out and just score whenever, especially up up against a PSG side. But they need to show that every goal matters mentality moving forward. You know, it's it's one nil on aggregate now. Yep. Obviously, they have home field advantage going into the second leg, so that th- there is a distinct advantage there, and it's not like it's uh, an impossible ask to to win three one or two nil. Uh, but it's going to be a challenge. So I, I think just give it a couple years time and, and the away goal rule is just, it's non-existent in our, in our minds. It should, yeah. every game should matter at this level. That's so. fair. And I agree with both of you. I wasn't coming from like the take of like, Oh, I think this is true. It's just, I think it's more right. of a talking point that it did happen the first game. And it was a very right. clear mentality from Madrid that they were going to defend that game and see it out as a clean sheet. Right. Um, but, but right. another yeah. big takeaway is that you're, we're hearing some some French rumors from the tabloids, which we know are not very reputable, but that Mbappe was offered a 500k a week bag from PSG after that performance. How bad do they want to keep him this summer? Uh, absurdly bad. I would do, be doing, if I'm PSG, I'm doing everything in my power to keep Mbappe at the club. Mbappe everything. is a player that any team would want. So they are going to have to fork over the bag. But at the end of the day, how much money do you have left in the, in the bank account after having a, a side like PSG with the names that they have there? Um, so I think, it's gonna, I think it's going to play a lot into how much, how much money can you give up without hindering the rest of the squad. PSG have a guy on the UEFA board. They don't need to worry about how much money they do or don't have. Corruption, yes. We, we we know it's there, but... Question for you guys. If PSG were to play in, in a so-called European Super League, would they be able to have a better chance at keeping a guy like Mbappe away from Real Madrid? I think so, yeah. If you're going up against those guys every single week, if PSG like were the best team in that Super League. There's no reason for Mbappe to go elsewhere other than liking Spain more than France. Yeah. I think the allure of playing in a league like La Liga for a club like Real Madrid is kind of what draws a player away from there. I think the history of the club would would draw Mbappe away. And I think, you know, growing up idolizing the players that played for that Real Madrid side like Zidane Zidane, like Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, I, I think that just kind of like adds into all of the reasons why Mbappe wants to go and like really make a name for himself in La Liga. You think like when he was growing up, the two best players in the world made their names in the Spanish league. Yep. So yeah, that's, I, really, I think, that's really fair. Yeah. The thing that's scary about that, like I think for any player and what those players should be scared of is that when you go to a club like Barcelona or Real Madrid, that window closes so fast if you don't perform. And I think we've saw it over the years with English people going over uh, and just like the bigger the bigger prospects going to those teams. You know, in 50 caps, if you don't cut it, the fans are going to let you know. And it's so risky going there as like a 23. I mean, he's still so young. I don't really see the need for it yet. I, I feel like he could spend a few more years at PSG 
that's why I always kind of didn't think the Liverpool thing was that out of the realm of possibility, aside from the transfer fee PSG would want and his contract wages. Uh, I could see him just wanting to spend a few more years in Paris and go to Real Madrid at like 25, 26, and you still get a plenty of time, you know, to play at Madrid. It just seems a little weird. We all saw what happened to Eden Hazard, and obviously he was a little bit older when he went to Madrid. But Mm -hmm. top players that are considered like one of the three best players in the world can go to one of those teams and just not be good. That is love it. Yeah, that's very, very fair. I think Mbappe's young enough and ambitious enough and like very clearly good enough where I don't I don't see Mbappe failing no matter where he goes. uh, Personally, I, I agree. Uh, but that, that was PSG Real Madrid plus Mbappe. Uh, the next game, I think we can gloss over. Um, I don't miss. Uh, City fucking murdered him. Uh, we got City Sporting. Uh, City went to Lisbon. Uh, they rocked up. They beat him 5-0. Uh, unbelievably convincing. Uh, both feet in the quarterfinals now. Uh, and they're not scoring six goals on City at the Etihad. Uh, ties done and dusted. It's over. Yeah. It, it, yeah, ties wrapped up. I, I do yeah, want um, to criticize your man Kyle Walker putting that runner-up medal on. I don't know what that video was about. I just think that he was supporting the city. <laughs> he was like, "I want to win it," and I don't know. I don't. I get it. A little cringy, but uh, I don't know. Maybe it was a PR thing. Maybe his PR team told him <laughs> to do it. Maybe it was a bet he had with everybody in the locker room because that, that he got sent be, off man. really it stupidly against Leipzig. Like. I don't know. I don't really care. I don't look into <laughs> look into that too much. Uh, I did notice that Phil Foden has a neck tattoo. A neck yeah. tattoo? Yep. Yeah, he's got some like letters and numbers on his neck. I had no idea. I noticed it during the game. Um, and his and his hair. Great, by the way, hair, he, he looked great as a player. Uh, I don't know what his his hair's all about. Looks like it was drawn on with a fucking sharpie, though. A stockport he... Iniesta tattoo across his neck. <laughs> <laughs> he was really good. I think Silva had Silva another Silva. phenomenal game. Um, yep. Really tight offsides called denying him a hat trick. Uh, all those former Benfica boys were just up for it when they went to sporting. Uh, <laughs> Cancelo looked good. Diaz looked imperious. Um, the game was never in doubt from minute one to minute 90. Yeah. Uh, De Bruyne is back on form now too. De Bruyne looked really, really good for the full 90. Uh, feeling good feeling good it was a good day to be a blue that's pretty much all there is to it yeah it's a good one it's a nice easy you can probably rest some players in that second leg oh dude i hope that we start some academy kids let liam delap get a full 90 in the champions league come on baldy do it (laughs) it's always fun uh the next one it's me and mitch's team liverpool bit of a snatch and grab win here uh at the san siro our (sighs) second time there in this year and our second win, Mitch, well, I guess I'll give your take first on it. Uh, first 45, not ideal. Uh, it seemed like the first 15, 20 minutes of the game, it was it was like the second leg of your shot at the final, or it was like the last 90 minutes of a game, or like the last 10 minutes of a game. Like they, These guys were fucking going back and forth throwing shots at the net so fucking quickly like it it was so fast paced to start this game um i really 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 liked the lineup going into it too 
uh, seeing Harvey Elliott and Tiago uh, start with Fabinho in the midfield. I was excited for because Inter play a really wide, fast-paced, pressing game, and I thought that was going to be a huge key is creativity in the midfield to open them up, get the balls out, and uh, then swing them back in for a, a, a goal. But Their press um, was very good in the first third. It was phenomenal. Game. It was phenomenal. Um it, it was a frustrating game. Uh, Perisic and Dzeko were, were looking very, very lethal, uh, dangerous um, all game. Um, Inter's closest chance going off the crossbar early. Um, but at the end of the day, the uh, the substitutions made the difference at, at the half. And uh, I, I think, like, what, 50th minute, like, just after halftime, we made some, some midfield changes as well. Yep. Um, Harvey Elliott, I, I love seeing him out there. I'm, I'm sure the nerves were fucking going crazy for, uh, he was fucking 18, terrible. I'm going to just keep it in grip. Year old, but he, uh, he did that, not that look bad. He looked out of you place. could tell because when Harvey gets the ball, the, his style of play is very much, he's a downhill runner. When he gets the ball, yep. it looks like he's running downhill. And when he was getting the ball, he was just getting swallowed up. He wasn't really getting yep. it out of his feet quick enough. And I mean, your first Champions League game at the San Siro against an Inter Milan side that's top of Italy right now isn't an easy ask. However, no, I don't think Jurgen would put him in there if he didn't think he was a little bit ready, and he's proved he can do it against big teams. He did not yep. have the best night last night. No, no, definitely not. Um, Jota. I don't remember uh, who the who the commentator was. Sorry to cut you off, but it was just the last thing. Yeah, it was it Tilsley. I don't know. One of yeah. them basically said. He just didn't look up to the pace of the game. And yeah, I think that no. ultimately was yep. – uh, yeah, it, it's different. Yeah, big games in the Premier League are just different than big absolutely. games in Europe, especially against sides like and, Inter. I mean, I, I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that he went out and had that experience, but I, I think he'll learn from it. He has nowhere to go but up. He's still a teenager and still getting starts in our side and is still a big piece of, of the Liverpool puzzle. Not a fucking um, easy midfield to go up against either with Brozovic no. and Vidal, two very physical players. And Chikangalu, mm -hmm. so yeah, like very and, and the defense. What did side. you just call him? Chikangalu, Kalanoglu, just Chikangalu. I don't know, dude. I'm not fucking what Turkish, Albanian. I can't speak. My teeth hurt. Okay, give me a fucking break, dude. <laughs> God damn. Uh, wow. Okay. I guess it's going to be like that. Uh, Playing Salah, Wordle with people's last names. Salah scored in his eighth consecutive away match and uh, finally broke the seal after, after AFCON, which was huge. Um, Bobby, Hendo, Diaz, Nabby. Those four substitutions were massive to the pace of the game. Just changed how we played completely um, and proved to be the difference. Yeah, for me, Jordan Henderson kind of went in and changed that game. He was probably my man of the match in terms of, you know, or Van Dyke was my man of the match. But coming into the game, Henderson completely changed the, the style of play, kind of laid in that six role. Uh, and just was passing the ball a lot better than the midfield was. And I was a little concerned with Fabinho coming off. 
But Henderson bossed it. Bobby comes in and gets a beautifully flicked goal. And Luis Diaz just dragging the ball all over the pitch when he came in. So couldn't ask for, uh, you know, really much better. And a 2-0 lead going into Anfield for the second leg is, is pretty comfy. So I'm feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, one more quick thing to add. I think going back to, like, Harvey Elliott, a player that disappointed me more than Harvey Elliott was Trent. I was I – was, not happy with the performance we saw out of Trent. Um, just looked way, way off the pace, if not more than Harvey. Um, just not tracking back on defense, letting Perisic kind of run rampant on that left Yo, side. Yo, it's like when Trent has a good winger playing against him, he's the weak point in your defense. Uh, Robbo also didn't look great. So <laughs> both of our wing backs were just kind of oh. out to lunch. Um, I thought they they were the two who combined though for the the second goal. They they kind of got they, the hockey they, assists. They did, that. they did, but they that doesn't that doesn't come as a stat, and that doesn't help the the overall performance. I I think I think Trent maybe played ten fifteen good minutes in that match overall, and it 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 showed it it really did. We got lucky getting those two goals and not letting anything concede. Uh, but Allison is back in top form, um, which is very clear and very, very comfortable for me. It makes me feel a lot more confident. Uh, and having Van Dyke play at, at the top of his game is uh, something we've missed as well. Yeah, I was super impressed with Van Dyke over the course of that 90. I, I agree with Josh. I thought he was the man of the match that game Absolutely. for sure. Yeah, but far and away. he I, He's kind of getting back to those levels where it just seems like no bouncing ball or there's nothing he can't reach or get to. Uh, he had he that one, that one chase down with Jekko that looked like Jekko was like far and away, and Van Dyke just like came out of nowhere. Um, yeah, I think but, I think it took him some time to feel confident in his leg too. Yeah, like after an injury like that, you're gonna baby it. You're you're, you're not gonna want to go full out. And that pace is starting to come back. He's putting in the right challenges. He's spilling the ball where it needs to go. And he's been asked a lot more for, for the amount of times we've been playing the ball out of the back uh, as of late. We've been playing playing it back to our defenders and uh, to Allison a lot more recently. Um, it's not as forward of a, of a game that we've been playing. So, yeah, very impressed. In the last game, uh, Salzburg-Bayern. That one ended one all. Salzburg was winning for most of that game. We kind of already touched on it at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, Bayern shouldn't be too concerned with this. A one a one one game going into the Allianz, you know, in Munich, not too concerning. But uh, definitely a, a point of pride for Salzburg to kind of get that result. At mm-hmm. home. Yeah, I thought they played really really well. I think they maybe were a little unfortunate to not come away uh, with a win. Going back to the Allianz, but uh, I think a 1-1 scoreline with Bayern having a home leg to play really, really favors them. Uh, Like you mentioned, Josh, going into the second leg of this tie. um, No Neuer and Davies is a really, really big miss for Bayern. Uh, Is it Davies' ankle still? No, it's Uh, it's his heart because of COVID. Oh, no shit. Okay. Yeah, he's still having like heart palpitations because of it uh, or something. It was something to do with his heart or just like cardio and he just like isn't fully fit just like yeah. can't play um but yeah between him and um you know you know not having arguably the best goalkeeper of a generation yeah. um uh, at the in, in your back four it's going to be a miss for any team um and then davies is like on his on his day he's the best left back in the world so i'm trying to think missing who they put, a, that put is there. it might be 
uh, Teo Hernandez might be playing left back right now. Um, yeah, potentially. I, I, I don't know so. what they're starting eleven. He's, he's yeah, one, no, he's one of their outside so. backs. I just don't know if he's left or right. Um, I think I think he's on the left side. Yeah. So that was it for the Champions League. Only four matches this week. We've got four more next, and then to alternate back, I believe. Uh, but we did have some Europa League games today. Napoli played Barcelona, uh, kind of like a Maradona matchup. Uh, ended one-one, kind of a. Teo Hernandez plays for AC Milan. What? Does he really? No, it's yeah, not. It's not. It's not Teo. It's not Teo Hernandez, but it is Hernandez. Yeah, I'm not. Com- you are right. It's, a, it's Ann Hernandez. Lucas. We're thinking of Lucas, Lucas. Hernandez. My bad. <laughs> it's a Hernandez, though. You're right. We're, we're right. <laughs> I apologize <laughs> to Teo. Uh, Napoli we are a mess today, boys. Yeah, the names aren't. We're not a name podcast, okay? Not logistics. We don't do that much research. We, so give us. We've a said we're not a logistics company. <laughs> um, we can talk about Europa League, though, like Josh was trying to talk about before I rudely interrupted him. Um, Napoli Barca. Not much. It was a one-one draw. Josh, did you have anything else to say before I repeated everything you just said? Uh, to fucking to see a Barcelona front line of Adama, Fer- Ferran Torres, who did score a penalty, and Aubameyang is a, a little weird, and frankly, it just seems like levels below where they should be. But uh, an Arsenal reject, a muscular strong man, and Ferran Torres, who you know has has the right to very be very raw player. a very raw talent yeah it's such an sure. awkward front three i just mm-hmm. i don't see this barcelona team getting very far anywhere it, this season it, it doesn't feel like there's any chemistry between the three of them because they're so like they they're all brand play, new yeah they're brand, I mean, they're brand new, new and they but like even as individual players like given time like the three of them together don't seem like they would fit well together in a front three you know what i mean They'll probably, like the they'll probably learn a few things from each other. Aubameyang yeah, will probably start wearing oil here in the next few weeks. and <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Uh, the, other, the other game and probably the surprise result of the day. This was crazy. Dortmund Rangers ended 4-2. What would you guys make of that one? Uh, wild. I have Dortmund notifications on my FOTMOB app, and I texted the group chat when Dortmund were 3-0 down. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? They're at, they're in Germany, too. They're in yep. the Signa Adunal Park, and they are getting obliterated. Um, Dortmund are stinky, bro. Shout out Rangers. Testament to how good Rangers are, even without Gerrard still. Like, they're pretty, still a pretty solid European side, but... Yeah, they have a nice this, little uh, This Dortmund team is fucking ass. Get Holland out of there. I, I didn't... I, for some reason, I thought Holland was playing today. He was not. Uh, ultimately, this one... It is a little bit similar to the Bayern one. I know they're down two goals, but without away goals, which would have been a huge thing in this match had away goals still been involved. Now it's Dortmund just need to win 2-0, 3-1, and it goes to extra time. It's not unreal for Dortmund to go do that. I think Dortmund away from – I don't know if they'll do it away from home. No, and, it, and that Rangers is crowd. a tough place to play as well. So. I, I don't, I don't see Dortmund coming back. I think they maybe get one, maybe they win the next leg, like a one nil, maybe, maybe. Like, I don't know. I just don't see it, man. I, I don't think they're keeping Rangers out at home. And Jude's I'm just going like not... in the summer, and it is going to be a race. If you sign Holland, you're not signing Jude as well. Exactly. Yeah, right. I think both of them are out this summer. Um, so yeah, both of those guys. It'd be really interesting this summer to see where those two end up because neither of them. The way Bayern, the way Dortmund are playing, and the way that the team is progressing, I don't see either of them staying next year for sure. 
I don't know who signs yeah. Jude. Imagine just like Ryan Kent, Aaron Ramsey, and Glenn Kamara putting the dagger in Dortmund. Be Ryan tough. Kent be funny, but it'd be tough. Former Liverpool lad. <laughs> like that 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 Rangers side, albeit like they are good in in uh, in league games, but to go up against Dortmund and do that in Germany is just fucking insane. Yeah, it was really, really. It's a testament to that side for sure. It was a really big result for them. All right, Josh, uh, you want to hammer through some EPL picks this weekend? Uh, there's not yeah. a ton of to really. If, if there's stuff we want to talk about with the games, We're I think we'll just like them. touch on it really lightly. But we'll hit some picks. Josh, ready? Uh, three, two, one, go. Yeah, first pick: West Ham, Newcastle over 2.5 total goals minus 130. That's obviously the favorite pick here. I think this one has a ton of fun in it. Uh, Newcastle have just been a team to watch recently. Uh, I have not missed a Newcastle game, I don't think, since the transfer window. Uh, they're just balling. Kieran Trippier just banging in free kicks everywhere. West Ham are still a fun side, too. They haven't really lived up, I don't think, to where they were the first half of the season, but that is an exciting yep. game. I think there's goals in it. Yeah, this game's got 2-1 written all over it. Hammer that 2.5. Yeah. Uh, Brighton-Burnley. I have the Brighton money line straight out, minus 145. I'm kind of a juicy pick. Uh, but I'm still going with it. That is juicy. Burn and Burnley gave Liverpool a run, so I, I don't know about that one. Yeah, and the odds aren't great on it. You know, minus one forty-five. Right. But Brighton did just drop points to Manchester United. Uh, generally, they're not a team that goes through like huge lulls of bad form, so I think they'll bounce right. back. Yep. Um, Arsenal Brentford. This one was a tough one to call because I'm I'm still not sold on Arsenal. Uh. Arsenal haven't been able to sell me all year. I just I think they play good against bad teams, but a team like Brentford, uh, Brentford beat Who them. Who beat them? Who yeah. beat them? First game of the season, first game of the Premier League season was a great one at uh, Brentford Community Stadium in London. Now they're going to the Emirates. I can't make a call on this one from a game standpoint. I think it's too close. Uh, I do have Sokka to score. I think this is a game he could kind of play well in. Not sure if he scored very recently, but plus 200 for him to score, I feel like is good odds, and it's a good kind of just throw out their pick and uh, let's see what happens. Yeah, I see mm -hmm. a draw all over this match. Yeah, I it's a like weird one, 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 one to two, call because I could see Arsenal at the same time. I could see Arsenal go out and like win it 3 nothing in like very surprising yep. fashion. And it, it is at the Emirates too, right? Yeah. Yeah, because the first one, I remember being the first game of the season, it was at Brentford. At Brentford Stadium. Park, yep. Yeah. Um, Liverpool Norwich, which is just like, I mean, Liverpool's <laughs> play toy. They, this one has like to get any value out of betting Liverpool on this, you have to bet Liverpool like minus three and a half, which is like Liverpool to win by four goals, which that's just like, I hate those chances. So I'm actually going Liverpool clean sheet. That's minus 175. Again, the odds on that are just stupid. Uh, and then Liverpool. I do have minus two and a half, which is plus a hundred odds, which aren't bad. So that's obviously Liverpool to win by three. They did that the first game of the season. I think we won three nothing. Uh, Liverpool are just gonna, yeah, fuck Norwich. I think this is yeah, just this is just throw away a little money this weekend and twenty dollars on the Norwich money line. If they pull an upset, you're making bank. Just do it. <laughs> I don't see upset at all on this, especially with the way Allison's been playing. 
That's why you only put 10 bucks on it. It's not that big of a loss, but if they get it, it they get it. it. But I don't see any chance. I see that as $10 lost. I I want to see Diaz kind of have his coming out party. I want to see Diaz in the starting lineup, especially with Jota uh, potentially injured here going into the weekend. Um, And I want to see Diaz bang in a couple of goals. I think he deserves it at this point. Before we leave this game, I just want to say, Mitchell, it's not called throwing your money away. They call it gambling for a reason. Irresponsible. I am am gambling on Norwich winning this game. Responsibly. (laughs) We're a responsible betting podcast, everybody. Dial 411 if you need help. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone who wants to sponsor these picks, hit us up. Uh, literally anyone will take any betting sponsorships (laughs) betway bet 365 hit my line we'll we'll put you on the front of the shirt just like west ham does we'll get some we'll do we'll do a we'll do a manscaped rick's picks at this point they sponsor every podcast right our our going rate is ten dollars per impression uh next we got southampton (laughs) everton um i have over 2.5 must minus 125 in this one too Everton have been pretty exciting uh, in good and bad ways since Lampard's come in, and Southampton are on pretty good form. Like That one has three goals in it. I also have the Everton money line. I think this will be a big win for Frank. They're the underdogs in this one. Uh, I think Richarlson get a couple goals in here. Uh, and plus 255 for Everton to win is really good, considering they haven't really got too much time under Frank, and they've had some hard matches, so I think this is a winnable one for them. Um not too much in that game aside from that villa play watford don't have a bet for that one man city tottenham which is a big one maybe pack and add some more detail to after this uh because it might be a bogey game for man city might not be it's absolutely not going to be a bogey game <laughs> play Tanganga and have him foul everybody and then it'll be a bogey game it uh, won't be a bogey game <laughs> i have over 3.5 we're, we're hitting overs all weekend we're goals baby this weekend uh, i like that strictly for the odds the plus 150 seem decent and city score goals yes. and tottenham are in fucking terrible form um my prediction for the game is 2-0 city uh city haven't really been scoring a ton of goals uh only seven in their last three which is a low number for city you know four of them came from norwich but two clean sheets in their last three uh tottenham have let in a total of seven goals in their last three games have not kept a clean sheet and they've only scored two goals in their last three games um two nil city we're really good tottenham really fucking aren't i don't think this is a bogey game i'm going two two uh draw with kane getting the equalizer in the 89th minute no fucking way ruben diaz is gonna shove them so far into his pockets Uh, Leeds play Man United, a weird, weird game that could go literally a million different ways. Yep. If I'm a betting man, this I this is a game I'm staying away from by a mile because it just has surprises written all over it. It um, feels like a game, however, that really keeps up with the trend of bet the over. Uh, whatever over yeah. looks like good odds, just fucking do it. Like, United beat them 6-0 at the start of the season. Neither team can defend. Both teams are just relying purely on scoring goals, and Ronaldo finally scored again for United. So if there's anything to bet on, it's 
I think this game's going to at least have goals in it. So my, my official unofficial pick for this game is Dan James to score against Man United, plus whatever, probably plus like 600. Hit the Dan James scoring prop, scoring. Can we bet? Can we bet on if he celebrates if he scores too? Is, yeah, is there something does. I can do for that? At he, Ellen absolutely. Road, he's doing a knee yeah. slide through Sir, Sir Alex Ferguson's legs in the stand. He, I think he would go <laughs> mad if he scored. I need it. Inject that. Inject that into my veins. Last pick, Wolves-Leicester. This is a pretty good one. Leicester just not really doing too hot the past few weeks. Wolves, I think, have played well all season long. Uh, their defense this year has just been, like, perfect. And even though they're losing a lot of games or, like, uh, dropping points, I think they've played well in every game. They don't lose by much in any match. I have a draw on this one. Draw plus 230 is, is pretty solid odds. Uh I think it's a pretty fair pick given where both of these two teams are. Yeah. Rogers like is one. starting to get a little bit on the hot seat at Leicester as well. We haven't really talked about that too much. Uh, I think he could be out this summer. I've seen city fans say they want him to replace Pep. And if oh, Brendan Rogers ever coaches Man City, <laughs> uh, I'll hop, I will jump off a bridge. There will be two I, podcast hosts. If, if, if Brendan Rogers ever ends up being the manager at Man City, and the first lineup we see is just a three four three, and I, like I cannot wait for that. If that, if I'll that talk is, to you never. You'll never speak to me again. Oh uh, well, well you'll be able to experience what we've experienced in that uh, he's not a good manager. So he's not, and I don't want him anywhere near my club. Let's Unless not. You... We're we're gonna stop talking about it because I don't want to speak it into existence. Let's talk about the Champions League next week. He'll probably <laughs> re-sign Jordan Ive and put him out on the wing. <laughs> Dominic Solanke anyway, up top for I don't Man talk City. About it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, so next week in the Champions League, um, first game is Chelsea and Lille. Um, I think Lille are finally starting to run into the case of we punched a little bit too high in winning the league on title last year. There are way too many goddamn games. We don't have a deep enough squad. Uh, they sit 10th in league on right now. I think this is a really easy Chelsea win. Um, really easy, really. They're 10th in league on right now. They're like not in very good form. I know Chelsea aren't great, but they're defensively solid. And Lille just have never impressed me throughout this entire course of the league on season. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's probably going to be like a 2-0 Chelsea win in the first leg. I think they're coming off the Club World Cup too. Terror ball matchup. This one is uh, I, this is the game I would hit the under on because it's going to be like one 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 nil. Uh, these are like two of the least exciting teams left in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. There's two teams that are definitely less exciting that we'll be talking about mm-hmm. in a second here. <laughs> well, fair. I would rather watch that one instead of this one. Well, that's because there's going to be drama in that one. I, I have my takes on on that one when okay. we get there. Do we want to go Juve Villarreal next? Yeah, let's go in order. Let's go in order. Um, yeah. Villarreal Juve. Uh, I have my notes from last week pulled up because for some reason I thought there were eight games being played last week, not four. So <laughs> nice. I've got a, I've got everything I need to right here. Um, uh, I think. Juve are going to have a pretty easy time, easy in air quotes time with Villarreal too. Um, they're undefeated in their fat last five league games. Uh, they've added a lethal striker in Vlahovic to their front three. 
Um, I just think they'll be a little bit too much for Villarreal. Um, this has a little bit of upset potential just because Villarreal aren't like a terrible side. I think they're like mid table in the Liga. They play some all right ball. Um, it just feels like one of those games that it's pretty cut and dry. I think Juve just have a little bit too much quality all over the pitch to give too much trouble. Um, I think it's gonna be like one nil Juve in the first leg. Gerard Moreno offers a little bit going forward for them, but I think Juve's defense is probably a little bit too organized for them to break it down. Yeah, it's about how I feel too. Yeah. Um, next, I wrote this down, Man United, Atletico Madrid. I honestly forgot that Man United were in the Champions League. We all know Ronaldo's record against Atletico in the Champions League. It's a pretty good one. Uh, obviously, that iconic 2-0 comeback where he scores... Um, I believe he scored a hat trick in the second leg, didn't he? That um, yes, the comeback yeah. for Juventus. Yeah. Um, th- th- this does have potential just because Ronaldo in the Champions League. I know, I know, it's basic and everything, but he is a factor. Uh, I is. think this Absolutely. one has just like must watch written all over it in terms of yep. like the piss takes that are going to happen in this game. It's going to yeah. be incredible. The, to me, this feels like it's going to be two of the longest legs fucking ever. Yeah, um, there's going to be seven minutes of extra time in one of yeah. these games. Seven minutes of extra time. Someone's going to get sent off. There's going to be so much drama, but also there's going to be like two goals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. United fucking suck, and Atleti don't score. Um, I think at the the Cal, Vicente Caldron, whatever that's what the Atleti Stadium is called, right? That's how you Wanda pronounce it. Metropolitan. Oh, the Metropolitan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Caldron is somewhere else. Anyway, yeah, at the Metropolitan, I don't think there's any fucking way the United score a goal. I think this is a nil-nil first leg. I think it's gonna be boring as shit, honestly. Um, I can go to Old Trafford or maybe things open up a little bit more, but I just, I think this leg is gonna be like a ton of drama with two goals. I hope Suarez scores in both legs and just taunts the united fans i would love it i would love that more than anything in the entire world personally i want him to just bite ronaldo that's uh probably foreseeable we're due for a bite we are we're about what five years removed from the last uh incident so let's let's yeah i mean we had working we had the Jorginho, and then there was a couple years before, not Jorginho, the chiellini the Giorgio was his first name yeah the chiellini bite and then there was the Ivan Ivan, he bit Ivanovich, right? Yeah, uh, I believe so. Yeah. That was the World Cup and then he, and then he bit that dude for Ajax when he played for Ajax. So we're we're due for an adult, very adult Suarez to bite someone. Yeah. <laughs> that would make things interesting, honestly. Like if we're looking for, I'd have fun with for it. entertainment. Like Suarez, get the chompers ready, buddy. Time to go to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last game here, Benfica Ajax. This is a pretty good one, pretty even matchup. Ajax obviously have had a lot of controversy in the past few weeks with Overmars getting he kind of like resigned uh, for some different allegations going on in the club. Uh, Ten Hag's obviously a really good coach, but anytime a controversy is kind of surrounding a club, it's hard to tell what what the vibe is there. Benfica is a really good team, very organized. So I think so are Ajax though. Yeah, it's our. I think this is the best matchup next week, honestly. Um, yeah, I think this of, one has the most fun from a neutral perspective. Yeah, Definitely. for sure. I think it's going to be the most balanced. I think we're going to have arguably the most goal scoring, um, and I think I think we're going to see the most two technical 
like the most technical matchup between two sides. I think it's just the most even um, that we're going to see. I don't know. I favor Ajax pretty heavily here, personally. Really? Um, they're on a nine-game win streak. They're one of the only two teams left in the competition that are still undefeated. Um, Ten Hag has them playing unbelievable ball, like absolutely incredible. I'm not going to take anything away from Benfica. I think they are a good side. But um, I've been saying it since like week two of the Champions League group stages. Ajax are my dark horse in the tournament. And um, I, I honestly, I think it's going to be like a 1-0, 2-0 Ajax first leg, and I think they're going to win at home. I, I think this could be like a, like a four or five on aggregate at the end of the day. I think Ajax go through comfortably here. Okay. Okay. It's a bold take. I see it. It is. But I, I dig it. I, I just think on paper, it's a little more balanced than that. Ten Hag does have these guys like in, in the UCL playing out of their fucking minds. So. And in the league, like nine-game yeah, winning true. streak is definitely true. nothing to scoff at. Through, through, uh, through wow. controversy. Dutch league, I – it's okay. That's a nine-game winning streak. It's, it's okay. a nine-game winning streak. You've got you've got these Benfica aren't in like an amazing run of form. They lost no. to Gil Vicente a couple weeks ago. They lost the Sporting in the Taka de Liga final. They're they're not winning games like as convincingly. I'm as riding with I'm, our Portuguese fan base here and going with Benfica. <laughs> our Portuguese fans like to always tell me I'm wrong, so I'm just giving them some more ammunition in the Instagram comments after nah, this comes out. I'm I'm taking Ajax here overall, but I think I think it's going to be the most interesting two-leg uh two-leg matchup we'll see for sure. That was a lot of Champions League stuff. We got a lot of matches covered and we got a lot more coming in the next few weeks. Uh we already covered kind of the EPL stuff. Um, Mitch, why don't we go to Italy? It's been a while since we got the, the Fiorentina forecast. I think we need an update on what's going on in Florence. Update. I wish like I wish I had a green screen behind me where I could like weatherman the shit out of this. Yeah. But... Do you want me to give you like a breaking news bulletin like beep in before you yes. start? Yeah. Yes. Give me the... All right, I'm your host, Mitchell, here with the Fiorentina forecast. The boys in purple have picked up a big three points over the weekend with a 2-1 win over Spezia. Currently, the Violas are three points off of sixth place, our target uh, for the end of the season. With a game in hand, uh, they have a huge test this weekend uh, going up against fifth place Atalanta. Uh, Atalanta are the only unbeaten side on the road uh, this season in the Serie A. Correct me if I'm wrong. It might be the top five in Europe. You're probably right. Continue. Anyway, um, they have only one win in their last seven. Uh, they have a, a win, four draws, and two losses. So they're not playing great football, uh, but they are stealing points here and there. Um, three being nil-nil. So Fiorentina um, – are actually kind of still playing some inspired football uh, after Vlahovic's departure. Um, they've won six from the last eight at home. And uh, this, I feel like, will be decided by a single goal. It's not going to be anything crazy. Fiorentina aren't a team that go out and score four or five a game um, on the regular. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I, uh, I I hope the home field advantage bodes well uh, in this one. And Fiorentina are able to win this one one nil. Uh, so it's 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 still cloudy. We're not we're not full on rainstorm. 
we're not we're not peeking through the sun right now. Uh, it's not out of reach. We're sitting in eighth uh, with a game in hand, three points off of sixth place. So the top ten are still incredibly tight in the Serie A that, at this stage in the season. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities, and and the Violas are are still looking strong and positive after uh, Starboy left for uh, the the black and white stripes. And that is your Fiorentina forecast. That was Back a very to you in good the studio. Update. Very thorough, Mitch. Uh, this Try just kind of came to the top of my head. We got uh, in a couple weeks. I know we're kind of like eleven days out. I think we got Chelsea Liverpool in the the EFL Cup final. Uh, so we should look out for some content coming your way for the, for that. Whether it's a live stream or, or something like that, we should we should be thinking about that. Only care about the EFL Cup final when City aren't in it. I see how it is. It's a big trophy. What can I say? I mean, right. Got to go out and win them all. Can't you can't win it five years in a row? Only four. The quad is still on the table. The quad is still on the table. Let's. I think the the chances of Liverpool doing a double uh, are very good this year in something. But I digress. Um, we covered a lot today, boys. We did in a short amount of time. Yeah, nice hour. That was a, that, was a, that was a tight sixty. That was a good, very good, nice yeah, good sixty. It good felt 60. like it felt like hundred and twenty, but do we have it any felt... final thoughts for for the week? Final nah. thoughts for the week is I'm just glad that we're in that point of the season where like we can just kind of focus on things a game at a time. Like it's not it's not like too much going on. Yeah, we we have Europa, we have the UCL, we have club. And and now like Afcon's over, the uh, the soda cups coming to an end. Um, so I, I I just think we're at a good spot in the season. Spring is starting to turn around, and then we'll have some more football uh, from from America coming up soon. So yeah, just... the, the vibes are on the up. My Ooh. my kind of parting shout here is uh, directed mainly towards me and Mitchell's co-fans. Uh, just to fucking calm down and just enjoy the football. Uh, I, just a lot of negativity lately on the podcast or on not on the podcast on the timeline on Twitter. Yeah, it's just been about bad. everything going on. Whatever. Uh, looking back at the season, Liverpool, we've lost two games, drawn a couple. We're in every single competition still. Going to be competing for a trophy here. Guys like Bobby and Henderson are coming off the bench and you know changing games still. So just. Just relax, you know, with the team sheets and everything. Jurgen knows what he's doing, and just enjoy the football. You don't want to look back in a few years and kind of regret this time being a Liverpool fan, like fucking complaining on, on your Twitter feed when we're in like one of the golden generations of Liverpool football club. So that, I kind of wanted to get that in on today's podcast. And yeah, I totally agree with you, Josh. Like it's yeah. it's been hard to watch because we are still here. Like just because we're not at the top of the table like some blue asshole in the middle of us right now. Um, you know, like it is night and day of what we have right now as Liverpool supporters compared to seven years ago. Yep. Like even, even six years ago, like it is a completely different club and we have so much youth talent. We have so much veteran talent. We have, amazing support from our our manager and our assistant managers like we have have a ground where people go to watch games exactly like it's just it's 
fucking so much fun being a Liverpool fan right now. Does it always go our way? No, it doesn't. But that will change. Like, if we keep putting ourselves in a position to win, that is all we can ask for as, as supporters. Yeah. Totally Take your heads totally out of your asses. Pat's having a real fun time over there. He doesn't have to deal with civil war on the timeline every day. Oh, so. it's bad. No, I'm just, uh, I get to enjoy being a fan of the team that is uh, ruining your golden generation from winning every Premier League because you exist at the same time as Pep Guardiola's Man City. But at the same time as a soccer fan, if you go to the neutral perspective, like what do you have, what do we have to complain about? It is one of the greatest rivalries that will ever happen in football. Regardless of the amount of trophies that we win compared to Pep City, like it is still from a neutral pr- perspective, this is one of the greatest head-to-head matchups of all time. And that can't be denied. I think it's produced some of the best football matches of the past 10 years. Absolutely. Not that the matches go back that long, but that the matches were that good, I think they stand up to some like earlier in the decade of like yeah. being just like two heavyweight fighters like just punching the shit out of each other and pep's comment this week i think when pep gets like a movie done about him or a, a book whatever uh he'll he will go he's back already got and say, a couple like, of them i've read him but yeah i mean uh when it's all said and done patrick he God is gonna damn it. he is always gonna reflect back on that liverpool team being the best team he's ever faced absolutely i think so too i i think he he thinks very highly of liverpool and of klopp um I think we have a, a very fun rivalry, all uh, all trolling in the middle of you two aside. Um, I think it's fun. I think we exist at a very good time for football. Um, they ultimately really are the rivalry that kind of stole the pre- stole the biggest league, you know, title away from La Liga. Yeah, it's this City team and this Liverpool team. Uh, I think it's undeniable that they're two of the best sides in the world right now. Um, yeah. So glad I decided to be a Liverpool fan when Brendan Rodgers was at the helm. <laughs> I picked City because all my friends told me not to, and here I am. I, I didn't really have many other options. <laughs> well, you could have just picked the team that everybody else in the group liked. You decided that you didn't want to. Well, nobody else had a duplicate, so. Right, and I, I mean, that's what made our friend group so diverse and what makes our group chat so angry. That's right. what happens with most We're friend groups. I, lo- I love this conversation to end the pod, too. That's what happens in most friend groups. Everyone wants to go their own way when they're, like, picking out a soccer team. And when you're in, like, a tight friend group, no one wants the same team. So you just have, like, four friends that support, like, rival clubs. The same yeah, thing happens Yeah, it's a ton of fun. It's a ton of fun. Um, maybe we'll do a mini-sode on it. Stay tuned. Yeah. Um, we we got to get, like, a roundtable discussion with, like, all of all of the separate homies stay tuned we're that's in the works if it's officially it's officially unofficially in the works <laughs> that was a good episode boys. Right. it was thanks for tuning in fellas if you're listening in on spotify make sure you download the episode rate yep. the podcast and listen all the way through i mean if you're you get here you already did but keep listening until we're totally done talking uh if you're on youtube subscribe ding the notification bell so you always know whenever we post a video like the video comment on the video please don't dislike the video because no one can see that anymore anyway so just like it for us please yeah um that was it that's all Power see you guys positivity. deuces peace